I'm Philippa Tolley and welcome to Insight. This week, mending a nation through language. Could compulsory te reo Māori and New Zealand history in schools reduce racism? RNZ Māori news correspondent Lee Marama McLaughlin explores what a greater understanding of the past and the Māori language could do for the advancement of Māori and New Zealand as a whole. She's over a year away from her fifth birthday, but an excited Huhana Barrett is already talking to Dad Peter and Mum Danielle about school. She's asked, which school am I going to? We have to drive past there quite often. We recently drove into the car park and had a look at the buildings. So and she's, one time we're going to go in there. One time we're going to go in there to check it out. She's pretty excited about school at the uh, ripe old age of three. Oh, you knew. I like that one. Come next year, Huhana will be one of the 3,000 children who start school each year in New Zealand, and her baby brother, Kahu Oterangi, will follow her in years to come. Peter says he would love for Te Reo Māori and New Zealand history to be compulsory subjects, but Danielle isn't so sure. It's easy to underestimate the layers of benefits that come from, from speaking Te Reo Māori, and I don't speak Te Reo well, right? Like, I'm understanding that now, and I'm reconnecting with Te Ao Māori now. Um, and so now I sort of realise what had been missing while I couldn't speak and while I didn't know what those words really meant and what those concepts meant. And I want Huhana and Kauho Terangi to have that, that same connection for their own mental health and for their own sort of happiness. Um, and so has that been a factor or on your mind in terms of um, considering school? Yeah, it has. Um, like that's the the question of compulsory te reo Māori in school is is really interesting to me. I think that I think it absolutely should be compulsory for all of those reasons that I've just given. If we think biculturalism is important, and if we think racism is a bad thing, then it's it's important just from those aspects of a you know of a harmonious society and of a um, of a world that works well. You need the understanding of te ao Māori and the understanding of what Māori culture means that I think you can only really get with some degree of te reo. So has this been something, Danny, that you guys have talked about when you're looking at the five schools around here? To be honest, no. It hasn't uh, come up in, in discussion so much. I guess I've got a degree of confidence that many schools in New Zealand do include uh, a fair amount of te reo in their curriculum, um, and I definitely wouldn't want to see that decreased. But in terms of whether it should be compulsory for everyone to learn it, I don't necessarily agree with Peter on that. Um, I think that it's good for kids to have an understanding of, of the concepts if possible, um, but I think there's more value in learning other things about New Zealand history um, than rather than just language. Um, I'd definitely be encouraging my children to to learn te reo and to embrace that within the school environment um, but that's because that's sort of their heritage and I think that's really important for them. But the reality is for like we've got a really young history and for Māori especially that has been quite painful for a lot of a lot of whānau and a lot of iwi have had you know in the last 155 years have had big pieces of their mana and through their land taken away and and the the descendants of those of those iwi and of those whānau still deal with the repercussions of that, right? So 
I think when you look at the comment section on a stuff article and you read things like, you know, you know, Māori need to stop whinging or, you know, Māori need to stop whinging and whining. That's history. Um, you know, get over it. I think a lot of that stems from not actually understanding what it is that is being whinged about or whined about, right, in, in, their, in inverted commas. When I tell people, like, my nana was, you know, punished at school for speaking to Māori, that's a surprise. And, like, that is literally one generation between us and that um but that's like oh yeah i don't know that that happened um what do you think about that idea forcibly taking away should forcibly give it back oh that's an interesting question i guess the experience of doing anything forcibly Mm. isn't usually a good one so i don't know if forcibly returning the language is the right way to go um i think efforts should definitely be made to return it in some some shape or form but uh probably not not forcibly I guess it's a risk with the language that you turn a lot of people off by forcing people to sit through something that they don't see as relevant to them. People feel very polarised by it um, and that it could have the opposite effect in terms of race relations than than what we want. There are 2,500 state and state integrated schools in Aotearoa. It's commonplace for them to teach English, math, science and social studies as core subjects. Schools get to choose whether to offer te reo Māori or teach topics like te tiriti o Waitangi or the history of New Zealand. Mireya Isabayo grew up in Africa before moving to New Zealand when she was nine. The Year 13 student is passionate about the past and is taking 19th century New Zealand history at Northcote High in Auckland. Two terms in, she says it's opened her eyes and should be compulsory learning. It's challenged a lot of people's um, pre-knowledge of what New Zealand history really was. Um, it wasn't until now that I realised that like, it's not just um, this happened. It was not just Britain came and then they colonised and then that's it. I think there's much, much more to it and the unfairity of it. And there's so much more that people don't know. And how has it been sort of um, gaining insights into that? Um, basically knowing that um, the treaty was incompatible is one of the biggest insight that I learned. I had no idea that that was the case um, of our, funding, our founding document of New Zealand and it was a big surprise to me. Has it changed the way you sort of look at the world around you, our country, what's happening today? Um, it has changed the way uh, we, uh, a lot of people view New Zealand. Um, to me, I see that a lot of people view New Zealand as um, a harmonious place where Māori and um, Pākehā are living together, but it's like there's inequality between the two of them and it all dates back to the treaty signing. And um, a lot of people have ignored that, that that gap is there and that's the biggest problem that we're all, I think we're facing, the fact that people are ignoring it. But if we know the um, history and know that by knowing it, um, it will help close the gap. The inaugural New Zealand Wars Te Putaki o Te Riri Commemoration Day held in Russell in March was the upshot of a petition that went to Parliament in 2015. It also called for the history of those wars to be taught at school, sparking the debate about how much we know or should know about our wars. Estimated the Crown took one million hectares of land from Māori in the 1800s and early 1900s. 
Almost 3,000 people died in the many conflicts up and down the country, and most of them were Māori. Tams and Hanley taught at primary schools for 25 years before recently writing a series of teacher's guides to New Zealand history. So the books kind of go like this, and so it goes from um, pre-European encounter uh, Māori worldviews, and then book two is British Isles. She says a number of early laws were set up to wipe out Māori culture, and that's something she says hardly anyone knows about. So this talks about colonisation. Basically, every negative Māori statistic that you have in the country today is a direct result of this period of those laws. So, you know, Māori don't have jobs, houses and law and, you know, health statistics, housing, job, drugs, violence, everything, I'm suggesting is a direct result of this period. And yet, most people in this country, Pākehā people included, do not know about those laws and what they did. They smash Māori language, people, culture, science, you name it, land, everything. Technology, scientific knowledge, health knowledge. So these laws are still impacting today. However, in her eclectic home in Auckland, Ms Hanley says she was none the wiser back when she left school. I went, you know, I'm parking, I went to mainstream schools my whole life, love school. When I left school, I, I kind of hit issues like Bastion Point, um, occupation, and... I realised that my school had taught me nothing around how to kind of engage as an informed citizen in sort of Māori and Pākehā issues of the nation. And I was pretty angry, you know, 18, about that, that I came out of school, didn't know Māori, didn't know my language, Māori culture, didn't know anything about the treaty, didn't certainly didn't know anything about kind of Māori histories. And I also didn't know about anything about being Pākehā as well. So I began a journey at 18 to start learning. When she was researching for her books, Critical Histories of Aotearoa, she says many teachers told her they didn't know what to teach about our history. She's concerned that students today are learning the same thing she did, that Tasman discovered New Zealand and Māori were savages. That's the standard story. You know, that's the colonial version that we've been raised on and that's still going on. And that's why you get parkhead kids in this country who grow up thinking they don't have a culture, one, two, uh, that they're completely racist and monocultural, often, and ignorant. And then you get Māori kids who are growing up in that you know, dealing with all the negative statistics of colonisation as well as racism, and that they don't know this incredible Māori history. I mean, we have such an incredibly deeply rich histories in this country, and yet none of us know it. We know more about the, you know, Princess Megan and Harry getting married. That's what we our kids are learning about, which is neat, but it's... Nothing compared to, to Princess Tapuia. Backing onto the banks of the Whanganui River sits Pākaitore Omotua Gardens, a quaint, peaceful park that in 1995 was the site of a 79-day Māori occupation. The protest dramatically polarised the community, with divided views about the history of the land and who had rights to it. There on a park bench, teacher Didia Henry nurses her baby Roka, while keeping a close eye on her roving toddler, Tamapiro. Yeah, come on. I know you're expecting.
blowing my mouth. She says it's essential that our young people are taught about the past to avoid tensions like at Pākai Tore. But when she was training to be a teacher in 2011, she sat in on a social studies class and was horrified at how our past was being taught. He was a Pākehā teacher, a teacher of social studies. He had been teaching for many years. So he was walking around with a cricket bat. He was a coach of cricket and he had a big bat that he walked around with. As he's walking around the class with this bat in his hand and he's, he's thumping it, he said, you know, you Māori are lucky that the British soldiers were too busy colonising other areas and didn't just choose to focus on New Zealand at the time, otherwise you, 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 your people would have been wiped out. This is literally what this, this kayakal said, and he, he thought it was completely normal, he thought it was okay. The look on the kids' reaction, and these kids are hard kids, they've had a hard life, because I know some of them personally, he had influenced them, he would got them, he would got them with that. If I've walked into this, and he was happy to share it, how long has he been teaching like that? You know, how many of our kids have heard that same chord at all? So if it came to rolling out compulsory New Zealand history at school, she says how would we know what version of events is being taught? It's not something the Ministry of Education monitors. Lydia Henry, now the head of the Māori Department at Whanganui High School, is all for history being compulsory, but not so much te reo. She says some students disrespect and mock te reo Māori and if they don't appreciate the language, they shouldn't be taught it. Te reo Māori is a huge tonga for me and I do not like to see it ridiculed. Um, I, I mean, I love a trier, but um, it, does, it does hurt when I see that um, it's just not being valued um, as much as I think it should be. And as a call, you see that. You see that every day. And that's a huge takahi for us. It's... Um, Oh, I don't know. For me, it feels like I'm going ten steps backwards again. I'm Lee Madam McLaughlin, and you're listening to an RNZ Insight programme about whether Māori language and history should be compulsory in schools. In 1867, the Native Schools Act was established, which banned te reo Māori from the classrooms and the playground. It still hits close to home for the former Māori Party co-leader, Dame Tariana Tūria, who can't speak te reo Māori. She says her mother was one of many who recalled being strapped or caned for speaking Māori at school. I can remember as a child being told that it's just too upsetting for others, and they were meaning Pākehā people, if we were to push to have those things valued and honoured in the same way as their own as their language was. Never understood the racism. I don't think our people understood that word and so never saw those acts that were taking place as acts of racism. Not having the ill can cause an uncomfortable hierarchy amongst Māori. I asked her about her experience. Being in Parliament, being on Marae, mingling with Māori all over the country and not having the deal, how's that been for you? Oh, it's been extremely painful. And, you know, to have sometimes our own people say that I had no right to be representing them in Parliament because I didn't have the deal, that's an incredibly painful thing to have said about you. Uh, it certainly was never said directly to me, but definitely about me. 
And I always remember when I was younger and began to worry about not having the reo. And my aunt who raised me always used to say, you'll be all right because you have the reo in your heart. You love the people and that's all that matters in the end. No good having the reo and don't care about the people. So I probably clung to that a bit just to help me get through. But I know in my heart that having the reo would be the greatest gift that I could have. The government has acknowledged unconscious bias towards Māori exists in health, education and police. Unconscious bias describes when people make automatic judgments about others and it contributes to the fact that Māori have some of the worst outcomes in those areas. However, Dame Tariana doesn't think learning te reo Māori will fix it. We need more than the language to change that behaviour, I have to say. I don't know what unconscious bias is, but I do know what racism is. And racism is about power and authority and control over others. And I think that to say uh, that that isn't what has happened to Māori people, uh, people are deluding themselves. I, I think that sometimes you have to face up to what's right and to face up to what's wrong. And if you love your country and you love the people in it, I mean, I do. I might speak strongly against the system and what it's done to us, but in terms of day-to-day people who I've had a lot to do with in my lifetime, I love them. You know, I care about them. I, I want what's good for them, but I also want what's better for us. Kia ora, Paul. Kia ora, how are you? Paul Moon is a New Zealand historian and a professor at the Auckland University of Technology. He agrees the roots of racism run deep, and speaking a language or learning about our history can't overcome that alone. He says making te reo Māori compulsory could have a detrimental impact on the language. It hasn't worked anywhere else in the world, even in countries where it's majority culture, indigenous language. So if you look at Wales or Ireland or Luxembourg, they've had policies in place in, in Ireland almost for 100 years now of compulsory Irish. There's now compulsory Welsh and Wales and so on. These things have coincided with a language that's actually declining in use. And that's when you've got the, the vast majority of the population supporting them. So there's a lot of cultural support there for those languages and yet compulsion has coincided, as I say, with the language is going into decline. So it absolutely is not the answer if you want to actually revive the language. And in his work as an academic, he sees that being educated about Māori history doesn't always make a difference. I get sent manuscripts of books, very poorly written books, written, uh, produced by people who have a real hostility towards Māori culture. And they're actually quite well versed in our 19th century history and they, they cherry pick bits to try to justify their, their, their writings and their views. So extra knowledge doesn't mean that you somehow overcome prejudice. In fact, in some cases, people can use bits of extra knowledge to fuel their prejudice. So that's quite a different, different issue altogether. But again, I think generally, if people have an awareness about what's happened in this country, most sensible people develop a degree of empathy and, and, and get greater understanding about how we are, what we are now. There are roughly 800,000 school students in New Zealand and just under a quarter of them are learning te reo Māori, mainly in primary school. The Green Party co-leader Marama Davidson is championing a policy to make te reo Māori compulsory up until year 10. It's not just about language revitalisation, which in itself is hugely important for all of us in this country and the world, but it's also about 
race relations. It's also about people's having a better understanding of te ao Māori. And we certainly need help with race relations um, and having te reo and tikanga taught in schools where people are less afraid of who we are as a people, where we can confront our history as well, because that will come through te reo and tikanga. I remember thinking on one of the treaty hearings on Maimarae and Hokianga, I remember watching my uncles and aunties giving their stories and their testimony about what had happened to our village, and I remember thinking, I wish every New Zealander could sit here at least for one day and just listen and just um, understand better the stories behind what has happened. We learn history from all around the world in our schools. I knew more about the civil rights movement than I did about Parihaka. And um, I think that it's essential that we include our New Zealand history in our education. Today, growing numbers of adults are taking the plunge to learn te reo Māori. The country's largest te reo provider, Te Wānangao Aotearoa, is running Māori language classes for around 8,000 people this year. Every Monday night in Auckland, Mariam Arif attends the total immersion Te Pūtaketanga o Te Reo class at the Wānanga campus in Mangere. Ko Mariam Arif tōku ingoa, no te rāwhiti Wainganui ahau, no te ao arapi. Kei te aroha au i te ao Māori, me ona tikanga. I absolutely adore the language, the people, the culture which is very similar to mine. Um, and I'm really staunch about having it become compulsory in schools. Um, I feel like I missed out as a New Zealander who had to pick it up as an adult because although I'm picking it up quite fast, I still think that had we had the foundation when we were tamariki in, in Kura, we would have been so much more fluent and... Because language is married with culture, you naturally understand an entire people by learning that language. So the fact that Māori um, are so misunderstood in a lot of aspects and people just don't listen to their needs is actually essentially because no one bothered to learn the language. She's from the Middle East but grew up in New Zealand having moved here 20 years ago. Since starting lessons last year, she says she's also become much more aware of Māori concepts and how they play into today's events. The kaupapa of the whakapapa is enough to make you understand why the maunga, the awa, the whenua is so important and why they anchor themselves to all these things. So when, once you understand just that particular point, you straight away will drop all of, let's say, the political issues that people just don't understand these days of, let's say, things like the seabed, things like in this particular time, Ihumato out in Mangere, for example. Just the political issues have to tie into them. People think it's separate, but it's really not. If you don't understand the worldview of Tangata Whenua, you can't possibly understand why they're fighting for the things that they're fighting for. And learning te reo is the first step that you need to take. And as a nation, I think we've just slacked 
over the years and we've just been ignoring, ignoring, not learning it and I think if you do make it compulsory in primary schools you're literally bringing up a generation which will naturally understand all the things that their parents and their grandparents failed to understand. Paraune Gloin is the Pautiakireo and Tikanga at the Wananga. He created the Māori Language Challenge Mahuru Māori, where people commit to speaking only te reo for the whole month of September. He says the word compulsory is off-putting, and work needs to be done to find innovative ways to get more te reo Māori at schools. It just seems a waste that we're not going to try and extend the space of te reo Māori beyond the domains that we speak it in every day. And that really is one of the, the main kaupapa of Mahuru Māori, is getting te reo out there so it's heard in public. Um, you'd probably recall one of my friends done Mahuru Māori last year, Tātere McLeod and his wife, and they're, speaking to, they're only speaking to their children in a supermarket in Hastings. And some lady was going past and turned around to them and started belittling them for speaking Māori and said that, um, you know, we should speak English in this country and English is the language. Now, now, are you telling me that that's not racism? Yeah. So we start with the current generations if we uh, normalise te reo in the kura and uh, part of that normalisation is mahuri Māori but normalising te reo in the kura with the current generations you won't get a lady like that 20 years later telling someone who's speaking Māori that they shouldn't be speaking Māori. I do get the feel from some people that they think that it should be just left where it lies in the history books and that revisiting our history is going to, I don't know, spark some rebellion or something like that. There needs to be a place for it in our society, definitely for a better tomorrow. Just this week, the government rallied Māori language experts in Wellington to seek help on how to get more mainstream school teachers speaking Māori. It has a goal to grow the use of te reo Māori in schools, but it remains firm that it won't make that, or New Zealand history, compulsory. That programme was written and presented by Lee Marama McLaughlin. If you'd like to discover some great listening, you can head to our page at rnz.co.nz forward slash insight, iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Next week on Insight, drains and drinking water networks are in danger. Does the government need to step in? I'm Philippa Tolley and that's all from Insight for today. Thanks for listening and join us again next week.